welcome to episode 111 of Friends of Film, a podcast from latest news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover the Incredibles 2 trailer, a new Willy Wonka movie, Call of Duty, getting a director, and more after review Black Panther. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who came incredibly close to being vindicated by Black Panther's box office opening, Josh Straley. Mm, 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 can't touch this. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. Okay, but I do have to say, all right, I MC was... Hammer all of a sudden. <laughs> I was... Um, I was strengthened or I was kind of pushed along by Jamel Bowie, uh, the slate writer, and then Jeff Snyder. Um, yeah. So they they were like, this thing is going to be big. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. I, I bought into it. But as Cooper pointed out to me before we started, I also did call a billion dollars for The Force Awakens <laughs> a couple <laughs> years ago. That was many ago. years ago, though. Right. So. I figured out how movies work right. since then. <laughs> uh, but hey, everyone, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you can get your podcasts. And if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps. Yes, it does. Uh, and as it may, we mentioned at top of show this week, it's Marvel Week. Mm-hmm. The new MCU movie, Black Panther, is out in theaters. It's the 18th movie. We are going to be reviewing it in depth. Uh, I'm sure we are going to absolutely be getting into spoilers. So once we do, there'll be a timestamp in the description of this episode so you guys can skip those spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. And if you haven't, what are you doing? Go see it. Then come back, listen to the spoilers. It's the rest of the episode. And then go see Black Panther again probably a couple more times because, yeah. uh, spoiler alert, it's really freaking good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my week to start on the review. I did the review for the website, which you can find uh, by searching, by going to friendsandfilm.wordpress.com. Uh, I just posted a couple minutes before we started recording, so it's up a little later than I wanted to because I was delaying it because I wanted to see it a second time just to see where my... I don't know, my emotions fell if they were correct in my initial viewing or if like something had changed. Yeah. And uh, surprisingly, I liked this movie even more as I was writing my review for it because I was going in, I was like, all right, I think I'm going to give this like a four and a half. Okay. Really high. Yeah. Pretty good movie. Um, but then as I just kept writing about it, it was it was really a positive review and I was really just honing on all the positive stuff and not to say there's not anything negative about it. Cause there, there's some couple things that I was like, okay, that could have been done a little better or sure. that's maybe a little unnecessary, but they were so minor in the, the total of the movie. And mm-hmm. especially when my potentially biggest play was, man, I wish this, I wish I just gotten more of this character or <laughs> more of this character or more of the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how can I say that's a negative? That's, potentially the greatest praise I can probably ever give a movie is just be like, I just wanted to see more. And if that's the case, I think that Ryan Coogler and company absolutely achieved their goals because not only did I love this movie, I am so excited to see Black Panther 2, Black Panther 3, uh, Shuri spinoff, an M'Baku spinoff, right. uh, anything that they want to offer me, I'm in for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ryan Coogler did such a good job directing it. You can see why he's he this ascension he's made in hollywood is so astounding i mean fruitvale station is such a great personal small story and then he goes up to creed and you're just like wow this dude's really good and now he goes up to black panther and i'm not i'm not saying that like he's continually gotten better or right. something as director i think they're all great movies and you can kind of pick and choose which one's your favorite depending on what type of movie you're in the mood for that day but he 
the level of consistency he's had in delivering an incredible product is absolutely there. And it's, it stays true with black Panther. He, the pacing of the movie is done so well where there's never a slow point. And that's not to say that it's just action, 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 but it's all it's yeah. Here's the action, but then let's take a moment to really dive into Wakanda lore and the culture and the people. And it doesn't feel like, okay, here's the expositional stuff. I can go get a pop or something. You're like, no, give it to me. I want to breathe this all in. I want to, I want to know everything I can. And it's so rich. There's never a moment where you feel the brakes get pumped Mm -hmm. at all. And that's, yeah, that's outstanding. Especially when they're jumping, not jumping, but when they're when they're juggling so many different characters, this movie Mm -hmm. has a cast that is just outstanding. And most Marvel movies are blockbusters of this size. You've got a star Wars or something. They have these big casts that, you know, but you have like your one or two main characters. Everybody else is supporting. And Black Panther is basically structured the same way. But I feel like I know so much about the supporting. I know as much about the supporting characters as I do the major characters with less screen time. Because they, they instantly pop or they're instantly exciting. Or you connect with them because of just some small thing they do. And I think the prime example of that is Letitia Wright Shuri. The very yeah. first scene with her, I'm just like... <laughs> I'm in love. I love Shuri. She is so, she's just so cool. Um, I want her to be like my best friend, like the, the banter and the, uh, the relationship she has with T'Challa is as perfect. A brother sister dynamic. I think I've ever seen. And if that's where Donald and Stephen Glover really were like giving notes on the script for Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Like you can tell because that. It's so funny. There is one joke in particular I don't want to give away, mm-hmm. but it is hands down one of the funniest things in a Marvel movie, <laughs> and it it made my theater just burst into laughter, and I was laughing about it for about a minute because mm-hmm. I was like, I can't believe they did that reference in a Marvel movie, and yeah. it worked so well. <laughs> um, I mean, but I think the other thing, I mean, T'Challa and Bozeman he is so good in this role. You can you remember why after Civil War, you're like, wow, I can't wait to see more of this guy. He's he's quiet but powerful. Um, the only thing is, he was one of those things where I was like, I wish I got to see more of T'Challa and him be the focus because we're getting so much of Wakanda, so much of Shuri, of uh, the Dormelage, that he doesn't he doesn't get lost in the shuffle, but he's definitely not as prominent of the face. As like you know, in the first Iron Man, it's it's Tony Stark's movie. Yeah, there's no there's no really, you know, star B, mm-hmm. but like everybody else in Wakanda is on that level. Yeah, I and mean, then we get the spoilers all. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. And but the other one that like just really stands out is Eric Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan. Oh my gosh, I th- I think he's he's the best Marvel villain we've gotten. He, I mean. Hands down. Whatever you want to I mean, Loki, he's he's up there, absolutely. We've gotten so much more time with him. But Killmonger, he's... I don't even know if it's right to call him a villain because his motivations and what he's striving to, it's pretty understandable. You're like, yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right. We should... You guys should be doing this. <laughs> and I, I think the only thing that makes him a quote-unquote villain are his methods. He's go. He's like overthrow i don't care about anything we just got to get this thing done right and i think he i think it's pretty safe to say that he's the best not only the best mcu villain but he's also the best comic book villain since heath ledger's joker mm-hmm. 
and maybe even of all time as you know the second. You know, if it's if Heath Ledger's one all time, I think putting Killmonger two is a very you can have that argument and not be crazy. Yeah, there's an essay to be written about comparing the two, Absolutely. and it's totally valid. But I mean, just going on through the cast, I mean, Okoye played by Donai Guerrera, Nakia with Lupita Nyong'o. They have such a great back and forth. Um, I love that they're both loyal. Their loyalties is what kind of makes them who they are. Yeah. But it's where they put their loyalty that makes them different. And I think there's a really good contrast between the two. I mean, you have Angela Bassett as Queen Armanda, Forrest Whitaker as Zuri, Daniel Kaluuya as Wakabi, and mm-hmm. probably MVP two, if Shuri's number one, or yeah. maybe even three, if Killmonger's number one, is Winston Duke as M'Baku. He is fantastic, and I can't wait to see We've seen him in the Infinity War trailer. Right. I can't wait to see him in Infinity War or in Black Panther 2 and have bigger roles to play because mm-hmm. he was so good in limited screen time here. Yes. Um, and then just kind of to round this thing out, I mean, the acting is incredible. The story is done super well. Um, the direction is on point. But then you go to the visuals and the sound of the movie and it's just impeccable. A+. plus. I mean, Ruthie Carter, people have been on this train since the very first screening, the first images. She deserves an Oscar for this movie, absolutely. I don't care what movies come out the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Black Panther deserves an Oscar win for just the rich and vibrant and beautiful costumes this movie puts Amen. together. I mean, when there's a scene where like all of the tribes are going to the falls for T'Challa's coronation, and you're just like, Wow, yeah. it is stunning. And I mean, Rachel Morrison, recent Oscar nominee, mm-hmm. she uh, does cinematography on this. Absolutely gorgeous stuff here. Uh, Hannah Beekler, production designer. All of Wakanda's, uh, it's been termed like Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the aesthetic of this. I mean, it, it's, it feels perfect. It feels exactly how Wakanda should be as it mixes in the African nature, but also it mixes in this high-tech futuristic approach that Wakanda is. Um, and then Ludwig Gorison, possibly the best Marvel score. I mean, this is such a good... Killmonger score is great. The Wakanda score is great. Plus, there's the Kendrick Lamar soundtrack, which mm. is just mm. amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's so many elements to this that are just top of the line that it it would feel wrong to me to give this thing anything other than a 5 and that's why I'm giving it five ticket stubs. Yeah, Afrofuturism, dude. I, I've never heard that term I, before. It's not. I didn't. I didn't obviously come up with it or yeah. anything. But I've heard it Throwing talked about a lot this? with this movie. Yeah, that is absolutely stellar. And you, you stole the words right off of you know my notes here. I said give it 2019's Oscar for best production <laughs> design, costume and makeup, and you know all those other things because it's just they invented basically. Uh, I mean, they didn't invent a culture from scratch here or right. anything like that, but they had, there's nothing else like this out there. And this is, you know, sci-fi levels of creativity and, um, you know, just artistic style on display. And Black Panther has more style than any other, in it's first 30 minutes actually, <laughs> than any other Marvel movie to date. And, Coogler and his team do things that like 
no other Marvel director has done before. Um, I mean, his handheld work, um, the, what the waterfall and T'Challa's first combat situation yeah. is is exactly what I expected from him, and. It, with his with equipment and money and everything else just aces it and then there's the shot from the trailer that you've seen but as killmonger enters the throne room the first time that 180 rotation is mesmerizing and it's just kind of like this everything's about to get turned upside down you know like you know feeling and oh man yeah absolutely and like you you talked about the cast and i think i think at its core that's the best element of this movie if not for its story um which i can't really get it to just yet but yeah bozeman i mean from the first no not the first the first um five minutes past the prologue yeah uh bozeman and guerrera uh, (laughs) are you know they're like oh these two are like best friends like Mm -hmm. of course you would be with your you know your royal bodyguard and deny Guerrera someone just get someone get her out of the walking dead already <laughs> um because she is too great of an actress an artist just an overall artist in general to be I mean I mean she's getting her payday there which is great but let's get her in just so much more because um uh her interaction with Bozeman and her first meeting with Shuri oh. is so great, especially when they're teasing him about Lapita <laughs> yeah. and not freezing. Because I always wondered how that you know came uh-huh. into it, and it comes in in such a great way. And yeah, like you said, Loretta writes, uh, she is the golden light throughout this whole movie. Anyone that she comes in contact with, or anyone that she initiates contact with, you know, is all the better for it, and it leads to just some of the the most uh, uplifting and l- like, you know, laughable moments. Cause like her unexpected youthfulness, mm-hmm. like you, when you see her waiting there, you're like, Oh boy, strict mother. And you know, all this thing. And then she's like, you know, 21st, uh, 21st yeah. century kid. And you're like, I did not expect that. And then the brother sister relationship and her matter of fact delivery with anybody that's like asking her questions like mm-hmm. Everett Ross and all those sorts of things. And then, um, yeah. And then her basically being T'Challa's cue yeah. Um, that's like the James, James Bond, Bond yeah, element yeah. to it. And like, it was so good, like mm-hmm. that whole element to it. And then we'll talk about that, I guess, in spoilers so we can laugh a little bit. But the story, I mean, Wakanda like sets itself up as like a symbol for the states in some kind of ways. And then it also edges in, you know, um, histories of, you know, enslavement and African-Americans and press impressionism mm-hmm. and like a colonialism all of that seamlessly and you're just kind of nodding along like, all right, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then you catch yourself when Killmonger shows up and unveils his plan. You're like, oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. And then you're like, the dude's got a point, mm-hmm. especially his introduction. And uh, yeah. Um, and then I can't say enough about Sterling K. Brown. He's got like seven minutes of screen time. If, yeah, if that. And do got me got got some tears in my eyes, <laughs> both times, and I just like what on earth. Um, and then we already said, you know, about the uh, you've already I can't say anything but more than what you said about the production design. Mm-hmm. Um, my only complaint would be they should have been on location more. Yeah, and too much CG, mm-hmm. or not too much CG. But I think T'Challa's suit was CG and it's a CG, lot it's more CG enhanced. It? Yeah. Okay. All right. Got it. But it's it, the same with like in Homecoming, like, or even in Civil War. Spider Man, they do. They, he's there on set, work. but then 
they VFX it up to make it shiny to remove okay. wrinkles to yeah. make it look like a super suit. It felt a little overdone, yeah. but that, that I mean, I'm, I'm digging for right. things to say that, oh, that could have been better. Right. There's like the moment in at the Warrior Falls where T'Challa steps out of the jet and there's all the people up there mm-hmm. and they're like, they're doing like the coronation dance and chant and stuff. And like, it reminded me of like, if you've ever played like, 2k or madden where you see there's the crowd like, there's like those stock crowd emotions yeah. they're like raise your hands this way and they're like there's like okay there's that one there's another one over there there's mm-hmm. one over there and like it's like okay yeah but like how do you you can't do that practically right exactly because there's no place on earth that looks like that <laughs> precisely so it was just kind of like it was just like those things yeah but at that point um you know i'm just digging for uh stuff um mm-hmm. and then circus and him showing up and actually getting him to see him play a little more than just like a, a static character. Right. He's still, he's static in this film, but he, he's just, he's a fun little side mm-hmm. note that I absolutely enjoyed. And uh, yeah, that's, before we get to spoilers, I'm just going to say five out of five ticket stubs. There we go. Um, impeccable. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let's just move into spoilers so we can talk about this movie <clears throat> freely and openly. Um, where do you want to start off with? I want to start off with Shuri if I can. Okay, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just because I want to talk about that lab scene. Oh, well, which one? <laughs> the, the first one where, yeah, where uh, she does right, the, what are those? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling vine humor out. It was, oh, it's perfect. And he's just like, what? You're not liking my sandals? He's like, yeah. I've got to, got to oh. impress the elders and all that stuff, uh, which was great. And then, like, she's showing off um, the audio surveillance system and then the remote access Zen table yeah. that she's able to pull off. Because, like, we saw that Super Bowl trailer mm-hmm. and they actually gave us a hint at it. Yeah. And he drop, when he drops into the car, he takes over the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, "How does that work? I'm good. Right. Like, what, where, where'd she go? Type of deal." And like, she set, so she sets up this table that like allows her to remote access, and it mm-hmm. creates um, a link from her base lab and to the vehicle like anything. to control anything. And that is so cool. But but obviously, the MVP moments in there are the sneakers. <laughs> Yeah. Where like the, he, she invents soundproof shoes. And she's like, you know what I call them? He's like, what? Sneakers. And then he's just like, <laughs> she starts laughing, and then she's like, he doesn't get it, and they just walk off. It's so good. And then I think the moment you so were that, alluding, that, that seems exactly like a Donald Glover joke. Yeah, exactly. The one I was I was referring to the what are those? That was oh. I thought was just hilarious. But what about the the suit? I think that got a bigger laugh in my or at least in my two th- showings where she sets him up. She's like, I want to test out your new suit. Oh, which. <laughs> absorbs energy and then when you strike it again right it releases that mm-hmm. kinetic energy she's like test it out i want to get it for research so t'challa sets it up punches it goes flying <laughs> looks flimsy and weak and it's she gets like, all upset yeah. <laughs> and then he comes back around to punch it it releases kinetic energy and he just goes flying across the room and she's like recording the whole thing and yeah. it was just such a great moment yeah it was really that that whole exchange and just any time those two are together it's like man Mm -hmm. like i don't know what marvel's plans are obviously long term but if it if it if their plans are to one day 10 years from now you know when after three black panther movies with with chadwick boseman in the front and they give it over to shuri and letitia wright becomes the new black panther and queen of wakanda and Mm -hmm. does all this other stuff it's like i'm i'm there for it whatever we have to do to get her more involved i'm I'm signing off on it as a fan that's like do whatever. If she has to 
go be in Spider-Man. Just go <laughs> be an Ant-Man. Yeah. Do whatever you have to do to get me more Letitia Wright because I think she was she was so so good in this. Um, one of the other moments <laughs> that it's uh, it's not a spoiler or anything, but like that I thought was just kind of funny for really no reason when they're doing like the coronation ceremony. Uh, th- like the Wakandans have this like ceremonious dance where they like yeah they like move their shoulders and the lot and like mm-hmm. they like put a shot of Daniel Kaluuya up oh. and he just has like <laughs> yes. a blanket and like his head doesn't move but his shoulders <laughs> just going up and down yeah and it's just like I don't know for whatever reason I just lost it I was like that just it's so funny uh that like I want to mm. see more of that and I was super happy because like I was a little surprised they almost turn him into an antagonist in this movie yeah where he sides with. Uh, Killmonger once Killmonger takes over because mm-hmm. uh, Claw killed his dad, killed his family back in the day. Yep, they were caught in the explosion. So he has always wanted to get Claw, and that was one of the big things that you know T'Chaka couldn't do. He he could never get Claw. He could never do any of this other yeah. stuff. Um, and so now that like, and Killmonger just comes in, he's like, "Here's Claw. I killed him." Right. And it's like, oh, oh snap! Literally like, body right to him. Yeah, like okay, I'm here and. Uh, I thought it presented a great way for him and uh, Okoye to have a back and forth because they're portrayed as lo- as uh, lovers in the movie. And to have them do that, <laughs> Josh is dying on me all of a sudden. Uh, I think I thought that was really fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was there's just so much great stuff in here. I um, but I was surprised that like mentioning Claw dying. I was surprised that he died. I mean, especially in the manner. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Killmonger just, like, ruthlessly is just like, no, you're going to help me. And then Cloud's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, all right, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. He guns down basically everyone at that flight pattern. Yeah. Kills uh, his girlfriend, kills Claw, like, right. everybody. Yeah, I did not see that coming at all. I was like, all right, now they're going to go take down Wakanda. Yeah. And then next scene later he's yeah dragging mm-hmm. um him across like a serengeti type place right. and then just throwing him at uh, daniel kalua's feet and i was like wow and i was i was i was half expecting because they don't obviously they're not going to show you andy circus getting headshot in this movie right but like i was still expecting like when they open up the body him to, for him to like pop up all of a sudden like <laughs> joker style yeah <laughs> like i was i was half expecting that but i mean they didn't show it so i'm as, as far as we know he is actually dead right um and then the other one Killmonger. I mean, we can kind of get into his arc in the movie a little bit more deeper now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I liked that they set this movie up in a way before we get into Killmonger that T'Challa takes over in the aftermath of his father and all, everything he has to deal with are demons from his father's mistakes. Yeah. You know, killing, um, in Jabu played by Sterling K Brown, mm-hmm. who is the father to Killmonger. Right. He killed him to save Zuri, and then uh, what was the other one? He and then he couldn't. He could never get Claw, so yeah. that was like the one thing that like he was a great ruler for Wakanda, but he he could never do this one thing. And I I really liked that element that like all right, you're the new king, fix your father's mistakes in a day or two, and try not to get overthrown in the process. Yeah. So I I thought that was super smart. Um, and I yeah, Killmonger's arc is fantastic and then linking running back to t'chaka the spirit plane spirit realm and when he gets there and he has his interactions with uh t'challa those are some golden moments too both of them are and i think i said that bozeman was the weakest link 
of this movie going forward. I, I absolutely take that back in our preview. <laughs> he, uh, especially when, because they're having a discussion, he's like, what do, how do I be a good ruler? How do I be a good king? And he's like, you have a good heart and you're a good man, but that's not what makes a good king. Or, right. or it's hard to keep those things and be mm-hmm. a king. And, and it kind of reinforces the moment when Killmonger shows up and he's like, I'm not going to kill you because I know who you are. And yeah. even though like I can still reign by being ruthless, it's not the right way to go. Mm-hmm. And then it makes you see his battle that he ultimately loses to Killmonger in like a new light. He's like, he's not trying to kill him. No. Killmonger is. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it, that's even, why he lost. And even at the end, he, he kind of makes that decision when they're battling in the uh, vibranium mines to use that trick to, to stab him in the chest. Mm-hmm. But even then, he stabs him in the middle, knowing that's not a fatal shot initially. It right. could be yeah. um, if you know left unintended or whatever. But then he, he gives Killmonger the thing like he always talked about. Like, you know, my father was from Wakanda, and he always said the sunsets were so beautiful here. Mm-hmm. And then he carries him out there to the ledge, watches him, you know, lets him watch a sunset. And at the same time, T'Challa's saying, listen, like you're kind of right. Like we should be doing more and we have the technology to save you. You don't have to die. We can save you and you can kind of be, you know, rectified a little bit. And Killmonger's just like, nah, like then like he gets into like the slavery and he's like, and everything he's like, nah, like he's like, no man, like my ancestors, you know, they like, they were locked away. Like I'm not about to do that. And he pulls the, he pulls the dagger out of his own chest to kill himself. Basically, yeah. bury me at sea so I can be with my ancestors who knew that jumping overboard was better than a life in bondage. Right. And it's just like oh yeah, my gosh, it's a great. It's a great line. It's a great way to send him off. Uh, even though I was I, in the moment, I was super bummed because Killmonger is so great that I wanted to see more of him, especially where the movie ends with Wakanda going into the forefront and going into the spotlight and kind of letting all that secrecy around it go away. Yeah. Killmonger's goal is ultimately met, not in his fashion, because he was just like, all right, we're going to send out our vibranium uh, enhanced weapons to our, our war dogs, and they're going to overthrow every government just like, and help the, help the lesser yeah. uh, people. And it's just like, you have, you have good intentions, but the way you're going about this is not the right way. Like right. the way to help the the less fortunate is not to kill everybody in power. Yeah, it's to it's to help them out in an actual way, which is ultimately the decision T'Challa comes to because of Nakia. Because Nakia's like, no, I, you know, I would be a good king, I would be a good queen, but I don't want to do that because I can't sit here and help these people. Mm-hmm after seeing all the different people out there that are suffering yeah. when we could be doing something about it. Right. Um, which I think again, is just, is a really cool place for Wakanda to go as we move forward that now, instead of being this secret country that has all the resources, the most powerful or the, and the most like enhanced metal of all time, like mm-hmm. now they can actually do something with it and help a lot of people and not be like, Oh, you guys, are messed up. So we're not going to help you. We're just going to keep us right. and our culture intact. Yeah. I mean, there's that line earlier in the film from first beginning of act two, where Kaluuya is talking to, uh, to Chal and he's like, she wants refugee programs and like all these things. And like, you know, if you let other people in, they bring their problems too. And mm-hmm. so he's like, you know, arguing for, um, 
uh, a mono, you know, um, a mono monolithic culture or yeah. whatever the case is. And you're just kind of like, and then, you know, and the, the Lupita Nyong'o is just kind of like, we gotta, we gotta do more. I mm-hmm. mean, like, you know, helping people. And it's just like, Oh wow. And like, and, and it all, they all connect it back to, cause like you're thinking they're talking about like, Oh, that's the United States. And they're mm-hmm. talking about like things like that here. And especially with at least the political tides of where they are to like, you know, right now. And then, then, then they say something and you're like, Oh no, it's not about that. It's also just about oppression. And then they kind mm-hmm. of like, they turn it around and then make uh, enemies out of, you know, history and things like that. Right. And, paint that in a new in a, in a more black and white light mm-hmm. and you're just like it's just there's it's there's layers and layers and layers and coogler and robert cole or joe robert cole yeah uh they have written <laughs> one of probably one of the best marvel scripts out there mm-hmm. uh yeah, absolutely and it's gonna be so weird you know, um, Infinity War will be a different beast. Yeah. But then when we get Ant-Man and Wasp and it's just kind of like a heist movie, you're kind of like, kind of wish there'd be more substance to this. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously there are different films for right. different Absolutely. audiences yeah. and whatnot. But just a, what a, what a monument mm-hmm. this movie is in so many ways. Yeah. Um, let's talk a bit about the final battle. We talked about a little bit in that Killmonger and, to trial our facing off, but yeah. I actually liked that everybody's involved in the final battle because mm-hmm. it could have, I mean, I think you can go cliche with, Oh, cliche. Everybody's involved. Cliche. Oh, it's just mano a mano. But I liked that they brought, it was basically like a Wakandan war yeah. that T'Challa comes back after everybody thought he had died. He comes back and like, then the Dormelage turn on Killmonger, but then he's got, uh, uh, Mbaku's tribe, mm-hmm. or uh, he's got um, uh, Daniel Wakabi yes. and his tribe are still working with Killmonger, and right. they've got like these super enhanced rhinos that are like <laughs> running around, which I thought was cool. Uh, but then, like, the, so they're battling the Dormelage, and the Dormelage are still battling Killmonger, right? And then it ultimately gets to the point where it's it's not looking great <laughs> for. for because Wakabi's tribe has cornered the Dormelage and or what's left of them. And then M'Baku and the gorilla clan, they, they come in right. and they like just wreck ship. Wipe like, them all they, out. They just, yeah. they just go crazy. They, they take over. Um, and I thought that was a great turning point because you, we got those seeds because they rescued T'Challa after his battle with Killmonger. And when he was, mm-hmm. you know, floating down the river and everything, and they kept him alive until Ramonda and Nakia and Shuri and Ross got there. But then T'Challa's like, listen, there's a war coming. I, we, we're not enough to take it on alone. Will you help us? And he's like, nah. Right. You guys haven't helped us before. Why should we help you now? It's like, fair. Mm-hmm. But then he ultimately like he makes the right decision and comes to the raid and he's a huge part of it, which I which is again great looking forward to the Infinity War trailer because you see T'Challa's there front and center, but then you see Mbaku basically right behind him and all of the warriors are all from his tribe. Yeah. So it's like that relationship is clearly only going to get stronger, which I hope means Winston Duke gets an even bigger role yeah. in a sequel. He he was just so good. I mean, I think you talked about him earlier, um, but First of all, his throne room oh, is, killer. I think it's the best shot, best setup yeah. 
that the movie has. Um, these long, these these just these these great lines being created by these um, wood hanging down from the scene, and it's a backdrop to these uh, like alpine mountains, mm-hmm. and then it's Romans right there, and yeah, killer, and then his his silencing of Ross. <laughs> threatening to feed him to his children and then following it up with no i'm just kidding we're, we're vegetarians, vegetarians. <laughs> which is so good um he just he did he just he towed the line of being like the brute because like when you, you mm-hmm. meet him you're just like this dude is i mean winston duke's bad. a big guy yeah absolutely and then you see his softer side where he's just mm-hmm. like nah i got this dude nah, we're like, chill <laughs> yeah we're yeah literally kind of you know they're in his domain yeah. and he's not challenging anybody for the crown and it's like yeah that sounds just about right and yeah. like yeah i can't wait to see more yeah they were they were super cool and i loved the uh i don't remember if i mentioned this in the review the that opening sequence where like they did the entire history of wakanda and the black yes. panther i thought that was so smart because you could, they they kind of they they explain most of it as the movie progresses, what the heart shaped herb does, mm-hmm. um, you know how the Black Panther mantle kind of works. But I thought it was just a, such a smart and a really creative way to do it, similar to how Wonder Woman explained the or Wonder Woman's birth and the war between God and man. They did all that stuff with that little animated book thing. Yeah, Black Panther just starts with it and this like great use of like the nanotechnology that they use and like i thought mm-hmm. I, th- I just thought it looked excellent and uh yeah such a smart way to get everybody on board if you haven't read a black panther comic uh, or if you have you know okay these are the elements they're pulling from right and not to, to from that opening sequence the, of art mm-hmm. i want to just jump to the credits real quick yeah. like those the artwork for mm-hmm. the production credits i guess or the yeah you know, all the cast and everybody, right? Yeah, incredible. Like in like like I said, every element of this movie w- was you know someone gave it a hundred million percent or you know whatever. That like, I, I just <laughs> I, I can't say enough. Like uh, um, it was it reminded me of like Bond where there's like those yeah. gratuitous opening credits. Mm-hmm. Instead, they were put here. They're put here at the end because they chose to put the Marvel uh, um, opening banner right in side the film instead mm-hmm. of as a book or as a bookend which i thought i, I loved yeah. too which was great um but yeah uh sorry i just wanted to jump no, around no, to no that problem and then taking one step backward from those ending <laughs> credits the end of this movie is so good too yeah we get we jump back to oakland where the, um tashaka killed the jobu mm-hmm. uh sterling k brown's character and there's this it's just, it's just lighthearted little scene set in Oakland and these kids are playing basketball, so it's kinda of like a reversal of the beginning. I loved the way Kugler shot all the basketball scenes. Yeah. Like there's like there's like there's two scenes, but like it's so like fluid and dynamic. I, like, I want to see him make a yeah. basketball movie next. No yeah, no cuts whatsoever in those. And uh, we're we we have not talked about the best part of the movie yet, but we'll get um but anyway, just the how those the ship lands and the kids are like, wow, this is great. And T'Challa talks about mm-hmm. their plan for an outreach program for the first one there and then spreading across mm-hmm. all over the place. And this kid's like, hey, man, is that ship yours? And he's like, yeah. And then he's like, who, who are you? And then Bozeman, who's like, whose smirk is probably going to be iconic out of this right. movie, just kind of goes, hmm. And then the we movie cut. cuts. Yeah. And then we get the black panther title mm-hmm. and i was like oh just so everything yeah. works so well, well the, together the kid there is from uh moonlight is that the it's the youngest 
uh, version kid. of yeah, the um, version. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of the already. name, but yeah, yeah, I like. I didn't catch that, and then I saw like a things you missed article, and I was like, oh, I I did miss that. <laughs> and now, I mean, I know I'm directing us here, so I want to give ahead. it back to you. Go ahead. But the casino scene and Coogler's quote unquote one yeah. take. There's it's it's not as it's not as seamless. No, it's as. I mean, because it was dealing with CG and mm. superpowers, so it can't be that great. Let me rephrase that. It's it's amazing, but it's like you know, right. it's not it's him not, doing it's not Creed. Creed. Yeah. It's not Creed level. Yeah, it's not the fight or the opening. Um, uh, it's still, his, his it's still really cool. It is so good, especially um, there's Okoye's dive down to the lower level, where then she starts punching people out after being on the balcony, and then there's T'Challa who right near the end of it. Just turns around, get to look at Claw, and leaps up, and then leaps yeah. up like like a cat pounce type of a deal. Climbs up there, and there's a confrontation, mm-hmm. and then I mean, just the blocking for all of these pieces. Right, I, I think Kugler is one of the best at this. I mean, just being so aware of space and character movement and things like that. It's is you just. I mean, when you tear it apart, mm-hmm. it just gets even better. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's outstanding. Yeah. Um, jumping into one thing that not is necessarily a negative for me, but one thing that I was like, oh, okay. I don't know if that necessarily worked 100%, but now that the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, but I think they're maybe setting something else up instead mm-hmm. um, was how Ross was used in the final battle. Like they mentioned that he's just like an Air Force pilot out of the blue. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then he like he is tasked with all right. Well, you, since you're the Air Force pilot, you got to chase down the these weapon ships that are trying to make it out of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. And like you cut back to him a couple times in the final. I'm like, uh, I'd rather see the Dormelage fight and stuff right. instead, or the Killmonger sure. T'Challa fight. But as much as I think that part of that was just to give Ross something to do, because they're like, well, we want him to have this heroic sacrifice moment yeah. where he saves Nakia's life, but then he gets paralyzed in the process. <laughs> We have to do something with him after we heal him. So let's do this. Yeah. But then I thought, what if they're setting this up for, as we kind of wrap the review up, move into the post credit scenes, speculation, how, how's, how this uh, progresses them. So moving forward, what if this is setting up an appearance by a young Everett Ross in Captain Marvel? Oh, because he's an Air Force pilot yeah, for the United she's, States. She is obviously an Air Force pilot as well. And let's see here, Martin Freeman, forty. Martin Freeman's mid forties. This this movie takes place back, a young twenty year old, twenty eighteen. Yeah, so he'd be like nineteen to twenty one, probably in that mm-hmm. age range. So entry level to having a year or two under his belt. And then I had the comparison come to me of what if because Carol Danvers is a great pilot. But she's also not say that she's the hot shot, but she she knows she's good. Um, so if we take Top Gun, if she's Maverick, could Everett Ross be Iceman or Goose? <laughs> no, because Goose no. is Goose is the best friends. So you right. can't have that. But I was like, that would be so fun if like if Ross is like either like a year or two ahead of her, but they're like in the same class because she she's promoting really fast mm-hmm. to get to captain. And then, like, he's just, like, trying to, like, beat off her records. Yeah. And then she, like, keeps beating him. But then, and this is how they could tie it all back really nicely into what he does in Black Panther. What if in one of their, like, flight simulations or something, you know, they're in an actual mission, 
you know, they're tasked with, all right, we got to take down this jet, but then something happens. They're like, you guys got to pull out. It's not going to work. Everett Ross pulls out. Captain Marvel keeps going. She defeats the pilot or whatever, the simulation, whatever it is. And then he's like, oh, she beat me again. But now 20, 30 years later, Black Panther, when he's in the simulator trying to take down the last jet and then the... Uh, the yeah. AI there is like shut down. Uh, there's you're in danger. And he's just like, no reboot. We're going after this. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like that would be such a cool way to title in there. Yeah. To give a payoff to why he's still so determined. He's like, cause you could call back to being like, well, I missed out on being the big hero mm-hmm. once. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. That would, oh, that would be so great. I have uh, my expectations to, too high now that right. I want it to happen so bad. You know? But, yeah. 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 And you get Lucas till to play him. No, you just de-age. No, no, yeah. no, 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 dude. De-age five, ten years tops. No, dude. They like I, they had some sort of digital mixture mixture of John Candy's face on whoever played the younger T'Chaka in this movie. They did the young RDJ in Civil War. They did the young Kurt Russell in <laughs> Guardians. Marvel likes to push this young thing, and they're gonna have young Nick Fury in that movie. So they're gonna use a lot of that de-age technology. I think you can do it. And uh, get Martin Freeman back. And he said that he's coming back for another movie. So That's true. That's true. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. I think a recast would be better. But I love that idea. Okay. That arc idea is amazing. Especially, yeah, if uh, he, he's, he's had a humility. Uh, if there's a humility yeah. that develops on him over the years. Because he's still, I mean, I, one thing I did notice, though, is he's a lot less abrasive. Mm-hmm. He's a much more. I mean, he's a little abrasive in the beginning. Yeah, but he's definitely not as snarky as Civil War left him. Right, but he's still like he still has that. You can't get anything past me, sort of thing. And then they're like, our entire country is actually hidden from you. And he's like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just like, oh geez, I am way out of my yeah. depth here. Um, um, that's and that's what that's one of the great parts too is when Shuri's just like so like matter of fact. He's like, dude, do you know where you are? And he's like. Like he's like, are we in Wakanda? He's like, no, it's Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Just um, another goal, you know, feather in her cap. But going into some stuff we discussed at the end of our preview episode, mm-hmm. uh, we already mentioned the villains who died. We lost Zuri in this movie. I thought that was pretty impactful of a death. Um, yeah. Basically, he was like, no, 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 Killmonger. I'm the reason you're dead. He's like, fine, I'll kill you both. You're dead. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. poor Force Whitaker. <laughs> Stop joining Disney movies because they're just going to kill you. I know, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I was I was pretty surprised we talked about this. We both thought it was going to happen that we were going to find out the Soul Stones in Wakanda. We don't. They don't They don't touch on it. It's still, I guess, it's possible that the yeah. Soul Stone is in Wakanda, whether it's in the Vibranium Meteor or whatever. I think you can still not retcon it, but reveal it in Infinity where that, oh, yeah, we also have an Infinity Stone. Mm-hmm. But I think if that's the case, the reason they didn't do it is because even in Doctor Strange, when they were like, they did the, oh, well, the orb or the uh, uh, the Eye of Agamotto is mm-hmm. actually has the time stone in it. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It was kind of like, all right, here's here's the here's the fodder. Here's the connection into the further universe. And I, I, don't, I didn't love the execution of that, especially since it just happened at the end of the movie, not like a post-credit scene. Um, so maybe that's why it didn't happen is because it didn't feel like it fit in the movie. Just like, Oh, by the way, we have an infinity stone. Yeah. Um, so maybe that comes, if not, we have no idea where infin- where the last infinity stones located. Right. And which makes me think also, I mean, first of all, yeah, I don't think it, the more I thought about it. 
I'm glad there is no stone. Right. Because like you said, um, why, why, you know, that aside would mm-hmm. just be kind of taking you out of the moment. Breathing Wakandan air, uh, that whole way through with only like a little bits, like sprinkles of there's another world out there. Text right. the attitude is perfect. And I kind of hope, but there's no, like there's no Avengers name drops in this yes. or anything, which so grateful for. I like, I just like letting it, you know, Yeah, it was, it was, it was the movie for in, Wakanda, in, not yeah. MCU. Exactly. And I kind of hope two and three mm-hmm. stay that way, but the one way to think about it is maybe they just go to Wakanda because that's the best place to hold up Possible. the most advanced mm-hmm. country on the earth with the most, the, the best weapons, yeah. the most um, infamous fighters. Mm-hmm. And that's where just like, we'll hide vision here. Right. So when he does get the stone ripped out of his head, or if he doesn't, if, if they stop him that first time, they're like, Oh, right, we got to go to Wakanda, <laughs> right. try to stay safe. And that's yeah. where they ultimately have that big battle. But uh, the soul stone remains a mystery. We thought it was going to be in Thor Ragnarok. It wasn't. We thought it was going to be here and it wasn't. <laughs> so I guess somewhere in infinity war, we'll find yeah, out all to the better too. I yeah, would say I'm totally fine with not knowing because it leaves some mystery into what exactly this thing's going to be. That's the last one we don't know about, mm-hmm. right? It's the only one. Perfect. Um, but then we already kind of touched on what the one post credit scene meant that Wakanda's going now. It's going public. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's cool because you can then, even if, even though I love that, this movie was very self-contained. It didn't have any MCU cameos. It didn't have any of that other stuff. It opens up the door for be like, oh, well now other people can actually visit here or we can use the vibranium technology somewhere else. Or in the infinity war, um, super bowl spot, we saw like iron man's armor, like form. And it was very nanotech, like how black Panther suit is. So it's like, did Black Panther talk to Tony and, or did Shuri talk to Tony and was like, here, mm-hmm. here's some nanotech technology, make an Iron Man suit out of it. It'd just be super cool. As Especially as, if it was by, by, made of vibranium. As an aside, if Shuri isn't hanging out at the Avengers base, come around, like, you know, sometime around showing up Banner and Stark and everybody, because allegedly oh, she's, the, she's the smartest in the universe yeah. now. I think I was a Kevin Feige I think so. line this mm-hmm. week. Um, yeah, like she's. She, I would just. I would just love to see her. Oh, I'd love to see Loretta Wright and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, just go at it. It'd but, be great. Um, I lost what we're saying, but yeah, okay. they, the <laughs> Bozeman smirk in that post-credit scene, and then that tool of a French dude. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I made sure to check his flag pin the second time around, and I was like, "Who is the guy?" This is like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Okay, that makes sense." <laughs> um, but then the 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 actual post-credit scene. Um, we got the Bucky cameo. I think a lot of people were expecting, or at least not. A, we got some answers into what he's been up to. It seems like his memory has been somewhat fixed. He's still in Wakanda. He's in a tent. Kids are making fun of him. But the interesting thing is what they call him. Yeah. That being White Wolf, which uh, who do not know, White Wolf um, is this character in Black Panther comics who is found in Wakanda as like an orphan. He's left there and then he's raised by Wakanda people. He's accepted into their culture and he becomes basically the right hand uh, guy to T'Challa. And he's like a super root. He's like not, not super ruthless, but he's more of like the, uh, uh, the, the task force, like more of like the tactical sort of stuff, kind of like what Nakia does, but not as like, you know, undercover if she's stealth he's more swat yeah swat there we go that's a good way to say it um so if that's the case if he becomes white wolf i think that means he's a very big part of black panther 2 we and i think it answers the 
well, who's Captain America in the future? If it's not Chris Evans, it's pretty clear if he's going to be White Wolf that it would be Anthony Mackie mm-hmm. um, if it's not Chris Evans. So a lot of implications potentially by just that brief mention. Or maybe White Wolf is in a different tent. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> They're just like, he looks like the guy that was already. Or no, Because right. White Wolf is actually, he, is he actually white? I believe so. I believe his name's Hunter. Okay. I'll double check. But Speaking of Hunter, Craven would be a great villain for and. Uh, Coogler wanted him for this first movie. Perfect. There, he was in a very early draft of it, and then they, they're like, "Oh, sorry, we don't have the rights." So I don't know if it's pre-Spider-Man deal, yeah. or if that means Probably. that they already have plans to do use Craven somewhere else. I mean, there's those rumors of Sony wanting to do a Craven solo movie, or Craven being in Silver and Black. We still don't know if that's even part of the MCU or not. Um, but I would love to see. Uh, Wonder if Craven, Craven be the villain of the sequel. Wonder if he was a part of that team that T'Challa takes out early in the film. Probably not. Yeah, I think it'll be like a little bit of it'd a be, waste. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, they, I, you could always retcon it that way, maybe. But I mean, they definitely don't make it clear. Um, sp- doing sequel talk. Um, I would also love if they did Namor as the villain. Who's maybe. that? Sounds epic. He's like the Aquaman for Marvel. So like he's the king of Atlantis um, (gasps) and Atlantis just like Wakanda has been hidden from is largely hidden from the world. So I think in the post Infinity War um, timeline, you could be like, oh, okay, well, now you guys have made the Atlanteans mad because (laughs) the world's in shambles or you you brought a super huge threat to their world. Um, and then Namor can attack Wakanda and have this big kind of royalty war, which I think would be really sweet, but, uh, lots of different directions and go with the sequel mm-hmm. You go to Chibe and do more of keep like the black Panther route where it's more of like the Joker sort of elements of like, I'm just going to mess with your life and toy with, you know, pull the strings here and there. Um, but as far as the sequel is concerned, it's not yet been officially announced. I'm sure it's going to no. come very, very soon. Yes. When it does, Kevin Feige told Variety that he, quote, absolutely, end quote, he just he absolutely wants Ryan Coogler to direct the sequel. Do you think it's going to happen? Or do you want it to happen? Oh, man, I I want it to happen. But you, you know, my gut tells me Coogler moves on. Yeah. That's, and which is totally fine. It, it Yeah. Because the dude can, the dude has the keys to the, to, he, the man owns Hollywood now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but if he wants to do it, please let him do it. Yeah. Please absolutely. let him, please let him at least write it mm-hmm. or, or EP it. Yeah. As long as he's, it's, I think it could be a very, like, it could be very similar to Creed 2. I'm, I want Google to direct the sequel so badly. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't, for whatever reason, maybe he wants to, there are people who are linking him to, the to bond 25 yeah if that comes to i mean yeah that'd be pretty great <laughs> like, we don't have a, a surprise like remember we talked about bond mm-hmm. and like there, there's not been a director other no. than just saying there, craig came back right craig's back there was those the, there was that front runner list of three um but that was six months but ago. that was yeah that was at the end of last year so like it's it's been a while and um who knows? I mean, I, Kugler would be a great choice. There are definitely James Bond elements to this movie. Um, plus, if he if he ultimately passed on it, or if, not passed, but if he moved on to do something else, whether it's a passion project or Bond or something else, I think it would also leave the door open for the Marvel to pull another young, mm-hmm. rising black director 
and have them do the sequel and then we can get another (laughs) kind of bigger name out there finally instead of just being like all right we want a black director who do you get ryan coogler ava duvernay rick famua yeah right f gary gray like exactly there's a couple there's there there are names out there but there's not a ton that are just like oh this person, this person, this person, this person. Yeah. Um, Use it to elevate somebody. Right. I mean, maybe, <laughs> I think I joked about it at the time when Cable was hired to do Creed 2. I was like, maybe he'll follow Coogler's footsteps <laughs> and he'll do Creed 2. And then early 2019, he'll be announced to direct the sequel to Black Panther. And mm-hmm. then the director for Creed 3 will do Black Panther 3 and those kind of rotate and then we'll just get more and more prominent black directors uh, in the Hollywood system out of the Black Panther franchise. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think obviously we're very excited for a potential sequel. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Um, and we love both love this movie. I'm not ready to say where it ranks in my Marvel uh, it's top five. No, I'm raising my hand to say I oh, am ready. Oh, you are? Yes. It's number, it's number one. Number one? It's number Woo! one. Iron Man 3 is no longer the best. Wow. Okay. It, yeah. I think sometime this year we'll do a Post rank, Infinity War. A rank. Because yeah. well, after Ant-Man and the Wasp, it'll be 20. Mm-hmm. And we'll have... That movie comes out in July, so we'll have a couple of months to kind of get through Marvel content. Gotcha. So we can do a, a ranking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe list by then. Give us time to you know, reflects kind of see where everything you're not alone in this. Kevin Feige said that black Panther is the best movies. So we'll have to wait and see if you guys have seen the movie. Hopefully you have, especially if you've listened to all of our spoiler thoughts, uh, let us know where you guys think this movie ranks in terms of the all time ranking of Marvel Cinematic universe movies, but also comic book movies of all time. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. That's all we have for this review of black Panther. We both give it five ticket stubs. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news, and as always, we're going to start with Ticket or Skip It, our segment where we talk about the new trailers that came out this week and tell you whether we will buy a ticket or skip the movie based on this trailer. We're going to start off with what appears to be the final trailer for Ready Player One. This one, just like all the rest of them, I'm going to give it a ticket just because I've liked what I've seen. It looks mm-hmm. cool. I love the continued use of the Willy Wonka song. Um, it, I think that it fits so well with the just nostalgia heavy 80s centric, you know, world this thing is building. Um, we got to see more of Olivia cook of uh, Ty Sheridan. I'm, I'm, I'm all there for it. I'm, I I can't wait to see. And and Letitia Wright's in this movie just came off of black Panther. Yeah. We don't know where she is. (laughs) Haven't seen her. Maybe they're going to do one more final trailer to be like, here's mm-hmm. Letitia Wright, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I'm I'm all here. I'm there for it. I mean, yeah. Spielberg, it's the 80s. It's big CG spectacle. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. Nostalgia porn, like, the entire yeah. way. I mean, this trailer, like, really hit it home. Uh, Iron Giant, Jurassic Park, uh, and just everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm blanking on names, but so much here. It looks like a, just like a CGI blast fest under Spielberg's direction, which is great. And then, yeah, I mean, Ben Mendelsohn still looking villainous. Olivia Cook finally gets a lot of screen time, which is great. And it's taking a 
place in the outside world a lot more than I thought. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'll, I'll, we'll say this, though. It did look ridiculous to see those people with VR headsets running <laughs> down the street. For not careful, that's our future. Yeah, I think in less than 10 years, it's probably real life. Oh, <laughs> gosh. It would just be it's so wacky. It but uh, this looks the good, like the good kind of wacky. So uh, both tickets for us. Uh, then we got our second trailer for Rampage. This one featuring more of the flying fox yes. uh, <laughs> or flying wolf, wolf. Yep. Um, that's in this movie. I, I think this movie looks ridiculous, but it's like a ton of fun. Uh, the VFX in this, on this look great. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe uh, Johnson has said that it's Weta, the people behind Planet of the Apes. So it wow. makes sense why this looks so good. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of moments where like, all right, he's clearly in front of a green screen, obviously because there's clearly not a 200 foot gorilla that exists in the world, yes. but also like you can just kind of tell that it's, it's more green screen than practical. Um, but it looks, it looks cool. It looks fun. I still hope that the end of this movie ends with the rock also being exposed and becoming 200 feet tall <laughs> and battling giant monsters. <laughs> Cause that would be so much fun. Um, but we'll have to wait and see if that happens. Yeah, I mean, it's a take it from me. That would be the perfect cap, though. Um, That'd be incredible. Yeah, five. If if it if it does it, I don't know how it doesn't get five ticket stuff. Yeah, it would be it would just the glib the glibness <laughs> of this whole trailer, and the, particularly if that moment goes down, would it would encapsulate the whole thing really yeah. well. Uh, the rocks just like, of course, the wolf flies. Like, oh, yeah, we're gonna go save the world right. again here. It's and on then the nose. Him and George teaming up at the end of the trailer, ready to punch out the wolf and the crocodile that's rampaging through the streets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, re- ridiculous, over the top, but that's par for the course for mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson. Um, wreckage movies, carnage movies. Uh, so, yeah, why not get it? Yeah, and we got to see more of uh, Naomi Harris in this trailer, which she's great. So, right. Oh, absolutely. Um, we also got a new trailer, IMAX trailer from AMC for Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, this one actually featured a lot of new footage. Comes out in about a month. So I don't know if this is some sort of like panic attack on their part being like, yeah, we don't know if you're going to see this movie. So here we're going to show you a lot, um, <laughs> which I kind of already felt like I'd see, even though this was a lot of new footage, I felt like I'd seen these portions of the movie already in mm-hmm. previous trailers. So I didn't feel like it gave away too much. It just felt like I just know where this movie is based on this and the second trailer and the first trailer that all kind of use the here's the big what appears to be the big final battle against the kaiju that becomes ginormous mm-hmm. um and then again here's the jaeger on jaeger fight and then there's academy drama i think that's gonna be the whole movie yep. i'm not expecting a lot but i'll still give it a ticket right yeah it's a ticket for me too but like yeah i mean exactly what you just said they're showing off the whole movie. Are they panicking that they need to show off like the action? Because it looks like that final fight is basically you know set in stone, except for like the killing stroke of the beast. Right, and Which you know there's probably that final shot of every trailer of him coming the punch towards the screen. It's exactly that's probably the kill shot. Uh, precisely, and then. We just need to know why someone is creating an army of Jaegers to resurrect the portal from the, the netherworld or the right. different dimension. And that's it. So the only thing left out is the boring parts where Charlie Day will, you know, at least try to liven things up a little bit, right. you know. Uh, so, I mean, I'm still interested in John Boyega mm-hmm. is a, a premier actor and the, there's a great cast around him. So it's kind of like a why not right. situation and it'd be fun to 
have a movie where I don't have to think too hard about anything. <laughs> That's definitely true. Uh, something you'll probably have to think even less about <laughs> is what's going on in the Uncle Drew <laughs> teaser trailer. Oh, man. man. So, so are you a fan of the Pepsi ads to begin oh, with? Yeah. Well, let me rephrase this. When the Pepsi ads came out, big fan. Yeah. Loved them. But now, you know, Kyrie Irving is a little, I'm a little sour on the dude still. <laughs> His, I don't know. I'd, I understand why he ditched the Cavs, he's but never I'm still, been, he's never been better. I'm still a little bitter. So Not understandable, understandable. I will say, take it for this movie though. Oh, it looks absolutely, uh, big ticket. I mean, him, Shaq, uh, who else is in this? Chris Weber, Chris Weber, uh, Reggie Miller, mm-hmm. um, Nate Robinson. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's it's great, and that those are just the, like the professional basketball players. Then you got uh, Lil Ray Howery. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, that's his name, right? Yep. Uh, he was hilarious. He was hilarious in Get Out, and he looks hilarious here. Nick Kroll mm-hmm. um, as like the other like. <laughs> yeah, the- I love the premise of the movie that it's that Howery basically takes his life savings yeah. to sponsor a Rutgers uh, basketball team for some tournament. Mm-hmm. But then Nick Kroll steals his team. Yeah. And so now he has to go find these other people, where he, which is how he meets Uncle Drew. Right. Tiffany Haddish is also in yes. here, uh, which is super cool. So it looks like it has a lot of comedic potential. Mm-hmm. I hope it delivers. Um, and it, based on the trailer, it looks like it's going to just because of the ridiculous antics that most of the NBA players are doing. And it never gets old seeing Kyrie Irving in old man makeup, yes. just totally school younger guys. <laughs> Some of the jokes that Kyrie Irving is dishing out aren't landing, but the, just the, the overall humor of the movie with everyone else around him is going to make it great. And then that dance scene at the club, I am, I'm just right. there for that. It's at the center of. Uh, all the cuts of the trailer, and I, I just can't wait for that. Yeah, um, but <laughs> moving on to the bigger, tr- the biggest trailer of the week, we got our first actual teaser trailer for The Incredibles two. Mm-hmm. Not like a ten second. Oh, here's Jack Jack Powers sort of thing. No, this is actually like a a real trailer with story, with characters, with dialogue, yeah. <laughs> with action, and this this looks great. Uh, so good. Absolutely a ticket. It's tickets across the board for both of us on all five trailers this week. Yes. Um, I, I think this looks great. I loved um, how they pushed Last Girl in the focus more, but then they contrasted it by showing Bob at home. Mm-hmm. And even though I, I've heard some people complain that, oh, well, if a Last Girl is the center, I would have liked to see her more in the first trailer. But I liked that they sh- still showed Bob because in the first movie, while Bob's off being a superhero again, Elastigirl's just at home. She's mm-hmm. doing her thing. She's still making life work fine. She doesn't really change anything. The The roles reverse. She goes yeah. out and Bob's life like falls apart. He doesn't shave. <laughs> he, he's like, math doesn't make any sense. Yes. Uh, Why'd they change it? Math is math. Um, so it, it, it was super funny. I loved Elastigirl going back to her old costume when she was still uh, solo. Yeah. You got to see Edna Mode again. Can't wait to see more of her. And, uh, we gotta get our we got our introduction to Bob Odenkirk's, who's probably the villain of the movie, um, based on his overall personality. Yeah, I, I don't, I did, I did, couldn't get a read on him. Like he's either a benevolent, benevolent Silicon Valley bro, or right. he's just like, yeah, he's like he's uh sinister, sinister right. syndrome. Yeah, syndrome. Yeah, syndrome where he's just kind of like, I'm uh, looking like I'm good, but I'm not actually right. Good. I think he's there has to be. 
I would assume, some hidden agenda behind why he wants superheroes back in the forefront. Right. Whether it's to profit off of them, whether mm-hmm. it's to merchandising, <laughs> whether it's to you know have them have some setup where they actually do something terrible instead of saving people, and then he makes money off them somehow that way. Um, but whatever it is, it looks like a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you hit the nose on the head there, like with the contrasting of. Um, Helen and Bob, mm-hmm. uh, especially because like she's out there like kicking butt, and then yeah. we, every every time we get Bob, like you said, every time we get to Bob, he's just he is failing mm-hmm. miserably, especially with like Jack Jack. Like how hard can it be to do whatever this is? And then Jack Jack like teleports, and then like laser eyes and fireballs and everything like that. And so it's just so perfect. Right. Not a whole lot of the kids. No. But I'm sure they'll pop up, uh, and and it's just I'm so glad. Helen is at the center of it mm-hmm. all because so high on Holly Hunter right now. Oh, um, I think you called it in the big sick and just talked about how great she was. And then, I mean, yeah. So, uh, so stoked. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's all we have for ticket or skip it. So we'll move on to the actual news of the week and we'll start off with call of duty getting a director potentially with variety reporting that sicario 2 soldados director stefano salima is in talks to direct the first film in the potential franchise there's currently no word on the era this movie would be in whether it's black ops world war ii zombies uh (laughs) infinite warfare whatever it is um so while we don't know where that is is there anything that is there a specific one you want them to go on and since we haven't seen sicario 2 which is salima's biggest thing does this give you more confidence that that movie is going to really deliver i've got the same confidence in sicario 2 soldado especially because it's been who it's written by Mm -hmm. is the biggest thing and this this just speaks to the execution of the Mm -hmm. vision from um everyone else so yes that's great yeah um stefano sounds like the dude can handle a big budget thriller mm-hmm. or i guess action i mean th- yeah. yeah thriller it, it looks a little more actiony though yeah thriller action film uh that we have with the sicario films yeah but as for era i mean they're probably gonna do something futuristic because that's just where the world is right now yeah. probably like the og black ops but depending on who's writing the call of duty movie that's gonna be that's the biggest gonna be thing. the def- Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember if there is a writer attached. I didn't pull it up, but um, I think this is a good move, hopefully, because I think it means that hopefully Activision Blizzard has seen a cut of Soldado and been like, oh, okay, this movie is really good. Why wouldn't we want this guy who's basically making a black ops sort of movie with if, if they follow the same sort of tone and story as the first Sicario, mm-hmm. why wouldn't we want him to direct the first film in this Call of Duty franchise? It makes sense. I think that's probably the direction I would see them go would do, be Black Ops because as somebody who's not an avid Call of Duty player, I feel like Black Ops has always been their biggest yeah. franchise. That's And then I know like when they did the relaunch of World War II, they went back to it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that again, that was some of the super, that was way more popular than when they went to advanced warfare or infinite warfare or whatever. Yeah. But um, as long as Salima is able to do his thing, I think the other thing that's interesting about this, I don't remember if we talked about this when we initially talked about this franchise coming, um, is what rating this is going to have. 
because I don't know how you do a war movie, especially a war franchise that's not R rated. Yeah. But it's from Activision Blizzard. I mean, the movies are MA, so they they go for that mature audience. But does that mean they're going to want to do the same thing on the big screen? Who knows? I think that's potentially even more interesting than the writer or director or star is. How they where where are they going to push it? Right. Are they going to go conservative and go PG thirteen so we can get we can get those thirteen year olds who have their parents buy them Call mm-hmm. of Duty so they can play it, or are we going to go R so they you have to sneak in or have to go with their parents yeah. <laughs> to go see these movies? <sighs> yeah, how they finesse that will be the thing to watch. But I just I like I know they're not going to do it, but I just hope these films turn out to be something more than just shoot 'em up action films. Right, like I, I, my my gut says it'll be Fast and Furious two point oh. Well, that weird comparison. Well, I just like they the it's nonsense all the way through. Oh, okay, and like oh, but they're in the military, so it's like you know that's the, it's just a change of scenery right. and setting. I think if they had hired, I don't know, some Salima gives me the impression that they want a more serious art house type R rated, um, grounded approach to this. But that could only be... That's the interesting thing about this. If it's a franchise, they could do that for World War II. They go the grid. They could go the real, mature, bloody, uh, political realm mm-hmm. with World War II. And then they could do advanced warfare, infinite warfare, and then go super futuristic, more big blockbuster action, scale it down to PG-13 or something, and do that as like their big temple. Then they could go call of duty zombies and do the horrors thing like you could you can mix and match different genres yeah. i think depending on the eras um but it'll be interesting to see where they obviously start off because if the first one doesn't hit the potential for all those other ones goes out the window so right uh moving on to the second piece of news we have this week uh thr revealed that paddington one and two director paul king is in talks to direct a reboot of willy wonka uh this one would feature Willy Wonka. It'd be Willy Wonka in the, char- in the, <laughs> the Chocolate Factory, not Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. So, uh, have you seen Paddington 1 or 2? Do And if so, or if not, do you think Paul King is the right choice to potentially reboot this IP? I haven't seen Paddington, but I have seen Paddington 2. Oh. And this is, if, if he brings even an ounce of the pure joy that is Paddington 2, into Willy Wonka, it'll be on par with the original with Gene Wilder. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Gene is irreplaceable. Right. And whoever you get to play Willy Wonka will be the casting of a lifetime for somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know who you get. You like, don't have any choices? I mean, my gut's like the only person who even comes close to him would be like Tom Hanks or Bill Murray <laughs> or, you know, someone like that who just has solidified themselves as a comedy uh, master. Maybe... Mm-hmm. Um, not John C. Riley's dad in Daddy's Home Two, whose name is just gone. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't pull that name. Gosh, okay, but yes, I know who you're thinking of, but yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be, but he's perfect for it. Yeah, I like, think. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen both Paddington One and Two. Paul King is, uh, super, super talented. And I think the idea of him directing a reboot of Willy Wonka, which I don't think I necessarily need a reboot of Willy Wonka to begin with, but I think it gives a different take on it. Cause I think you could go the serious route of being like, 
let's show Willy Wonka how kind of messed up this guy is. <laughs> but Paul King gives me the impression that they're going to keep the wacky fun nature of the first of the, of Charlie and the Fa- Charlie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and not do like the Tim Burton stray away stay away from that weird take that he did. Right. Um previous reports had Ryan Gosling being the front runner or somebody that the studio really wanted. Oh. I don't really go see young that. Go with it. I mean, he's I was I I looked this up and I was kind of surprised. Gene Wilder was only was in like his early thirties. No, when Willy Wonka came out. Um, wow. But I thought yeah, I thought he was a little older. Um, but when it when it happened, when this news came out, I saw Padding Two like the day after. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mind as I'm watching that movie was like, Hugh, Hugh Grant huh. as Willy Wonka would be really fun. The problem is I don't see that happening because I don't think Hugh Grant sells tickets. He's not – you don't see starring Hugh Grant be like, oh, I'm seeing that movie, which I feel like they're going to want. They're going to want that star. So I don't know. Again, I don't know who that is. Um, I think Ryan – oh, John Lithgow was who was thinking of. But oh, okay. if they're, they're aiming for someone in their 30s, why not get Ryan Gosling? Uh, first of all, I mean I'm the man's biggest fan. Not okay, but can anyway. he do like the comedy stuff? He can. Do, La La Land was his was his foray into. I mean, he's done romantic comedies yeah. most of his time before he got the Notebook and everything else yeah, yeah, took yeah. off for him for dr- drama. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- think think of his character in La La Land. Uh, think of him. Yeah. Think of the I've got the bullets moment, only just stretched across, and then think of the ten million dollar payday for him or whatever More he would that, get. Probably, oh, yeah, absolutely, and. It, I think it would be a no-brainer for him, especially if he's just stepping away from like a, a gritty yeah. spaceman drama. I could, I, I mean, I could see it. Um, he just probably wouldn't be my first choice. I don't know who my choice would be. I think I saw suggestions for like Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Owen Wilson. Or Owen Wilson? Yeah. No, thank you. No. Oh. Big pass. Um, so we'll, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure that out sure. sometime later. Um, but we got a kind of weird trio of announcements this week uh, that T- from all from THR that a Kung Fury feature adaptation is coming and it's going to star Michael Fassbender. Uh, surprisingly enough, uh, the movie is based on a crazy short that it was directed and starred David Sandberg, not to be confused with David F. Sandberg, who's directing Shazam, who directed Lights Out and Creation. Yes. I don't know who would ever make that <laughs> right. uh, obvious yeah. uh, blunder, but uh, not this me. one, <laughs> yeah, not, not Josh, that's for sure. Uh, definitely don't have recordings of that from our pre-production meeting. <laughs> um, but uh, he is going to direct uh, this feature adaptation. He's not going to star in it. So he's not going to play the role of Kung Fury. But depending on how they do this, the short uh, stars around Kung Fury is like this hot shot cop from Miami in the 80s i think 85 um who then like hitler like travels through times and resurrected <laughs> what um and then kung fury travels through time getting different people to be part of his like warrior team he gets like a, i think it's he gets like a viking he gets a dinosaur <laughs> um like it is just the craziest thing you've ever you can imagine um, and then Hitler like gets like an army in the eighties. It, it, it's wild. Um, David Hasselhoff is also going to be appearing in this movie. And then they revealed that Arnold Schwarzenegger is joining the cast and will play the president of the United States. Oh, um, snap. so 
it's a lot of weirdness. You clearly haven't seen the Kung Fury short based no. on the reaction to my description of the short. So does this and the <laughs> cast sound intriguing? Yes. That sounds epic. It's, oh my goodness. I think it's on Netflix. We haven't we haven't had a movie this random in a long time. Yeah. Uh and I know random's like an overused word, but we need this movie. The, the cinemas across the globe need this movie. <laughs> um uh, I can't yes, Hasselhoff is probably now nah, he'll probably be somebody a hero, but Oh man, I'm just so about this fast bender in an '80s cop mustache, uh, and from Miami with like a Hawaiian shirt or something like that. I imagine that's the case. No, no, yes? no mustache. Oh, he needs a mustache. I mean, you could change it up, but in the <laughs> in the short, like he has like a red headband. He drives mm-hmm. like basically <laughs> uh, the Night Rider car. So I think I think David Hasselhoff voices that in the short as yeah. well. I don't know if that's what he's gonna do in. Okay. The feature movie, if he's actually oh, going to have a role. Is, this is great. Um, it's, it's insane. It was, I remember like when it came out in 2015 and like, I just kept seeing tweets about it on like my feed and everybody was like, Kung Fury is insane. It's amazing. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is this? And I checked out and yeah, it's amazing. It's so insane. Um, I am sh- pretty shocked that Fastbender's de- starring in this because it doesn't seem like his type of movie, his type of role. Um, and he has recently had a really weird track record in terms of quality with his projects. <laughs> so say, hopefully, hopefully that's not an indication that this movie is obviously going to be bad because I think Fassbender is an A-class uh, talent. Now he just needs the property to deliver around him. And I hope this can do that because, uh, yeah, like I said, the short is so insane. If you haven't seen it, go to Netflix, watch it. It's like 30, 40 minutes long. Like it's it's an, it's an easy watch. It's just so random and fun. And uh, if they can find a way to stretch that over, out over an hour and have it make sense and actually maybe have a plot or if it's just all kind of crazy random, they just kind of go even bigger and even more crazy in the feature, fine by me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, this sounds awesome. Yeah, can't not wait. Um, but then deadline revealed this week. Moving on, that Melissa McCarthy has joined Tiffany Haddish in the uh, in Warner Brothers adaptation of the Vertigo comic, The Kitchen. Uh, it'll be directed by Andrea Bronoff, who will make her directorial debut after she uh, most recently did the script for Straight Outta Compton. The plot of this is uh, it's obviously it's based on the Vertigo comic um, by the same name. That the story revolves around three wives who um, basically take over the mob after their husbands are arrested in Hell's Kitchen, New York in the 70s. And as it turns out, they do the job even better than their husbands did, (laughs) making it a more ruthless and efficient uh, mob scene. So, Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, this is more, at least in the comics, it's more of a straight, like, serious, it's not not a comedy. Right. Do the castings of these uh, two women indicate that? Or does it indicate that we're going to get some drama out of both of them? I don't know because you don't. Would your would your anticipate would your interest change depending on which genre they go down? No, it wouldn't change either one. It would be more intriguing if they went the gritty route. Yeah, but because I'm like Tiffany Haddish doing some kind of like not serious drama, but also it would be like maniacal and a little bit more comic book movie ish. I think if they went the gritty way, which may but. The comedy way would work just as perfectly. Mm-hmm. 
especially but um especially if they're all competent and as they're like you know doing this everyone around them's like oh no they are just lun- right. not, lun- not lunatic but just like you know how they have it all done mm-hmm. uh but yeah it, it just sounds that sounds great i'm all in for tiffany haddish right now yeah, I and think McCartney. I think the premise is uh, pretty strong, and cast Tiffany Haddish, I think is great. She was out, she was cast a couple a couple of months ago. Actually, we didn't cover it here, but that's why I included it um, in this discussion because we hadn't covered it before. But then Melissa McCarthy teaming up with her, I think it it makes an interesting pairing. I liked Melissa McCarthy maybe the most I've ever seen her in in Ghostbusters. Um, because she did, there wasn't a lot of that physical humor that she so often does, which mm-hmm. I just don't find that funny. Um, where she just like falls down or gets stopped in the face, or yeah. I'm like, okay, you're just doing what Kevin James does. Like it's it's not funny. Um, so I hope that this is smarter than that, and like it seems like it should be based on the source material. I haven't read The Kitchen, but it's it sounds interesting and fun, and. Uh, I, I can't wait to see who the third wife is because they've got two. Now they need a third one. And I think the drama route is more interesting because I haven't, we haven't seen Tiffany Haddish do that. Um, but I could also see them going the comedy route and almost playing it like the house <laughs> with oh. Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler where yeah. like it's kind of three women almost over their head. But then they try to fit that persona, and along the way, they do stuff that's not in line, mm-hmm. but that crosses the line. And the people are like, these these girls are insane, yeah. and like you can kind of like make a joke out of that or make it funny. Where like they're chopping people's hands off because they think that's the norm, but yeah. really nobody does that. Right. And then they go down as like these ruthless crime bosses, where really they just thought they were doing the regular thing the whole time. <laughs> they buy into like the mob mythos more right. so like than like how things are actually carried. Yeah, out. you have like a montage of them watching like the old, old crime movies and how how do you do this? Okay, horses' heads here, whatever. <laughs> yes. Like you they do like the most vile things possible. Um, I think that could be really fun, but we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, what direction they go down. Uh, Deadline also revealed this week, uh, or actually they confirmed reports that Tim Miller is developing a Kitty Pride movie over at Fox. Um, but along with that, they revealed that comic legend Brian Michael Bendis is currently writing the script. The title is reported as 143. That's the working title for it because um, they didn't necessarily say it was a Kitty Pride movie. They said it was a mysterious X-Men movie that it has a working title of 143, which a lot of people have linked to the uncanny x-men uh issue 143 which is kitty pride alone at x mansion over christmas break when a demon comes <laughs> and oh, tries to like snap. destroy the mansion so it's kitty pride versus a demon for like a week because she has to try to defeat this demon in a week's time before everybody comes back from christmas vacation so if that's the source material they're drawing off of i think that sounds like a fun premise for kitty pride I am, however, as much as I understand why you get Brian Michael Bendis, Marvel comic legend who just went to DC, makes sense why you'd bring him in to do this. And I get why Fox want to stay in biz with Tim Miller. I'm surprised that they're not involving like a female writer or a female director um, to get Kitty Pride off the ground. But even with that, I think this if that is the line they go, if that's the story they draw from, that sounds like a cool Kitty Pride movie to me. And if it's the narrative of Fox doing smaller things different it's, things with uh their properties yeah which is the best thing ever especially because this is still in development after the purchase 
by Disney. Well, the purchase isn't official yet, so. Right, but no one said, well, let's put a freeze on everything. Because, well, Disney can't. That's the thing. Or Fox, even Fox as a company. Fox has to operate, though, as if the deal's not going to happen. Because if it doesn't, they can't have not okay. been developing anything for a year and a half. Right. Deal falls through because of regulatory concerns. And they then haven't. they're left with, mm. we can't make any, we don't have any movies in production for two years. Right. We're screwed. No revenue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Then, then, okay. They'd, then they'd actually be, they would actually probably just collapse as a company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then there's no buyout. Or, well, no, there is a buyout. Just a little lot less of right. a price. Uh but yeah, no, this sounds great. Yeah. So yeah, who knows if this movie's actually going to happen or not. I think I'm still probably in the mindset that it probably doesn't happen. Fox falls through with a lot of what they do, though. But Tim Miller, Tim Miller can't direct it, if that's the case, because he's doing Terminator 6. And a Sonic movie. Well, he, he's not directing that. He's just producing that's that right. one. So that's a little different, but same thing. Like, yeah, like he's doing Terminator this year. Um, it come, Terminator Six comes out next year, so he won't even be able to start develop, start directing this movie until after the deal, the merger closes. So I don't really see how this movie happens unless it's a super strong premise, and then Marvel Studios is to like, okay, sure, we'll do it, which is possible. Uh, but speaking of two female writers in our last story of the day. THR revealed that Chaos Walking scribe Lindsay Beer and Tomb Raider and Captain Marvel writer Geneva Robertson Duret uh, have joined the uh, script group for Silver Sable and the Black Cat movie that Sony's developing. Uh, there weren't really any details at the time of if they were just joining or if they were doing a complete rewrite or if they're just punching up dialogue or what their role was exactly. Uh, but Beers since clarified on Twitter that they already finished their draft. This is kind of old news almost that like they'd been working on this for a couple of weeks, mm. couple of months. Their draft is John done and that director Gina Prince Bithwood is currently putting the finishing touches on the script. So we still don't know exactly what they did necessarily. Um, but it's two more female writers for this movie directed by a female starring two female leads. Uh, yeah, I think this seems good. We, the weird thing is we can't really judge this as like, Oh, is this is a good movie. This is a bad movie because all of their films haven't been, all of their films <laughs> yeah. haven't hit theaters. <laughs> but I think, I think it speaks to them grabbing the other talent out there. Exactly. I mean, Disney's making captain Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, chaos walking is, almost done probably done production yeah it's done with production yeah, yeah. so i mean their movies got made studios that yeah and have, Tomb Raider comes out in a month exactly so it's like why not grab them i mean like mm-hmm. they're obviously great then at that yeah. point i mean they got hired they did their jobs and their films are being built by the mm-hmm. biggest studios out there so great yeah silver and black's got the best writers out there yeah awesome. hopefully um yeah i mean again we could See Tomb Raider a couple weeks and be like, right. that movie was terrible. Of course. Yikes. Um, but for now, I think even if that's the case, it shows Sony's at least conscious of who they're hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not they're hiring them just because of women, I think who, who knows. I don't think that's the case. But it shows that they're like, okay, we want females attached to this project so let's get some really talented female writers. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what they did. Female movie. Right. So it, it makes sense. For- um, I mean, the previous drafts were written by uh, Chris Yost and somebody else, one of the other Westworld writers. So it was, it was a guy and a girl. And so now to have the final draft or the punch up or whatever be done by two females makes sense. Um, hopefully this means that 
they were involved in the final punch-up of the script because this movie is supposed to start production next month. We don't have any casting. <laughs> we don't have uh, really anything else other than we have a director. We have some version of a script and mm-hmm. some production crew stuff has happened. But if this movie is going to hit theaters next you know, February as it's currently scheduled to and start production next month as it's currently scheduled to, they need to make some casting soon. So eat, so maybe they were hired because like, all right, we have, uh, I don't know, Tiffany Haddish and Anne Hathaway, two sure. random people. We have them in mind to do this movie. And we want to see if you guys can re- update the script to reflect the hirings of them to see if it works better with these people or if it doesn't or yeah. with this combination with, 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 with whatever. Right. If they have stars in mind, these um, Dorette and Beer could have been hired on to be like, all right, let's tweak the script so we can better suit their individual um, right. uh, uh, talents. Talents, yes. Right. You know, you form the, you get the story, you get the characters, you get the character arcs, exactly. and then you need to find your emotional notes and sounds like... That's why they're there. I mean, exactly. Usually, I mean, I'm not exactly 100% sure how script drafting works out there. That way. But, you know, you fine, fine tune it mm-hmm. right there with word for word. Absolutely. Um, so that's all we have for this episode. It was a long one, but we had to give Black Panther its due because it was just so good. Yeah. Uh, it's a big movie and a lot of conversation uh, to be generated from it. So I uh, hope you guys liked it. You can go, obviously, again, read my review for it at... Uh, the website friendsandfilm.wordpress.com um, we're also going to have a big question out in a couple of days covering George Lucas should George Lucas be more involved with Star Wars absolutely well that's not my answer but that's that, absolutely that is, that is absolutely the question, the question. Yes. <laughs> um, so if you guys are hearing this let us know your thoughts we had a Twitter poll out which we'll share the results of um, in the big question looking forward to that discussion if you enjoyed this episode Please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Head to iTunes and give us a five-star review as well because that way more people find us. And if we're as good of a podcast as Black Panther is as a movie, let people know because obviously that means we're doing something right. And even mm. if we're just mediocre, give us a review anyways. Let us know that you at least like what we're doing. Um, so that way it makes us feel good. It gives us a reason, <laughs> a further reason to come and do this every single week. Um, you can tell us your thoughts, everything we covered by us at Friends of Film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Wanakanda forever. Wakanda. And be sure to return next week for our review of Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs>